the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. And now it's time to join your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells, as they talk with experts and peers from around the country on the topic of being responsibly armed. This six-part series will elevate your safety-first mindset and your view on being responsibly armed. It may or may not include a firearm, but it definitely should include a plan. Visit ResponsiblyArmedRadio.com with your questions, comments, or to learn how to become a sponsor or guest of Responsibly Armed Radio. Now, here are your hosts, Tatiana and Judy, coming to you live, coast-to-coast, from Maine to California, on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, Responsibly Armed Radio is brought to you today by our title sponsor, U.S. Law Shield, the nation's most comprehensive and affordable legal defense for self-defense program. There's nothing more important than protecting your family and property. And by joining the U.S. Law Shield community of members, you can count on self-defense coverage with meaningful options and benefits that make a real difference when it matters most. For more details, go to uslawshield.com slash R-A-R. And here are your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells, live on The Answer. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of Season 3, and we hope you stay tuned for Season 4 in 2022. I'm Judy Wells, and welcome to Responsibly Armed Radio. Today, we are asking ourselves the question, when a firearm or pepper spray aren't an option, how ready am I to improvise? (laughs) Isn't it, though? There's a lot of different ways we can explore this, and we're thrilled to welcome our guest, Larry St. Clair, who is the owner and lead instructor of Marshall Way Legacy and Core Concepts Coaching. So Larry's resume is incredible. It's uh, inspiring. It makes me want to go back to the dojo after years of being away. Um, included in his lineup of skill sets are Muay Thai. I'm going to say this wrong. Savate? Larry, how do I say that properly? Savat. Savat. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, Bruce Lee's Jiu Kundo, and Filipino martial arts known as Kali, Eskrima, and Arnis. Did I say that correctly? They're pretty close. Arnis. Arnis. See? I, well, I, always, I have one of those names that no one ever gets right, so I always ask for clarification on these. Larry also serves as an accountability coach and helps people to set and achieve personal and fitness goals. He has done wonders for hundreds of our Girl and a Gun members around the country who participate in his push-up challenge. He's been a repeat guest instructor at the annual Girl and a Gun National Conference, where he teaches less lethal tools as well as knife skills and improvised weapons. His sessions fill up immediately, and our ladies cannot get enough because this is such an incredible topic to explore. Larry, we're thrilled to have you with us today. Hi, Larry. Welcome to the show. So I'm always interested in how people find their passion. And it was clear when we were doing our pre-show that you are incredibly passionate about this topic. 
you're interested in your craft, you're interested in the development of your students. I came late to my passion in life, which is this. And I love, I really want to hear about how you came to explore this and teach all the people that you teach. I think it's a great question. Starting spot. Uh, Honestly, I think it was completely by accident. Um, I started martial arts and and my journey at 10 years old, which was like just a couple of years ago. Right. Um, And uh, I, uh, I basically uh, was that uncoordinated, uncoordinated kid who just couldn't catch a ball, couldn't throw a ball, couldn't play sports. Um, but the cool thing was that martial arts accepted me as I was. It, it basically became my second home and my second family. Um, so as years passed, I kind of kept training, different arts, different schools. I got moved around a lot as a kid, so I was kind of a new kid, you know, coming in. But uh, I had to make friends, and then sometimes I had to learn to use my skills as well to defend myself. So. Um, that movement was kind of a blessing and a curse as a kid. I don't think any kid likes to move from school to school, to be honest. Right. Um, but for me, it made me a social butterfly. Um, and it also gave me an introduction, introduction to so many different martial arts styles that it just kept me hungry for more. Um, so I think that was a big deal, uh, as I was coming up and I was competing and, and doing a lot of different things, I needed training partners. So I had to start developing people around me to be able to uh, do what I wanted them to do and uh, emulate these people that I might be competing against. Um, And so slowly but surely that grew into a a group and a team and then it became a family and a school and just a whole crew, you know, of of people all trying to achieve things. Um, And the neat thing is, as I kind of achieved a lot of my goals, so did they. And so I started noticing that being a, a continual thread until finally my goals sat back a little bit more and I put them on the back burner and I started putting all our goals first. And, uh, and I just knew at that point, every time I roll out of bed, that's what I'm here to do. Well, anyone that's met you and your team can attest to the family-like culture that you've created with them. And it really does come through in the community that you build and the work that you do with your students. So I come from a background in martial arts many years ago. I, I too grew up in the dojo, taking a departure for about a decade now to study firearms. And that brings us full circle to our conversation here, which is contemporary self-defense and how martial arts kind of has a sorted rap sheet in contemporary self-defense world. Uh, It elicits images, mental images of these fancy leg sweeps and karate kid movie scenes, uh, which we know couldn't be farther from the truth and actual real world, real life application. Can you define for us and our listeners the merits and the dangers between the martial and the art? Uh, that's that's awesome, actually. Um, I think in our pre-show, uh, I gave you guys a little quote from our, our head instructor. Um, it was Bruce Lee's best friend and, uh, and head student, Dan Anasano. He said, the goal of the martial arts is not for the destruction of an opponent, but rather for self-growth and self-perfection. The practice of a martial art should be a practice of love for the preservation of life, for the preservation of body, and for the preservation of family and friends. Um, I think that in modern martial arts as a whole, and even self-defense now, it's less about somebody attacking you. It's more about uh, us dealing with defending ourselves against everyday issues like anxiety, obesity, depression, things like that. So it's definitely more about personal development and making better choices with your time, your money, your health, and your family. Um, as, always, as always, it's really about the big D. It's, it's about discipline. You know I mean, that's the number one thing. Now, one of my favorite instructors and good friend, uh, Super Dave Harrington, He has a great quote, and he says this over and over again. I don't even know if he knows I quote him, but I do, and I enjoy doing it because it couldn't be more spot on. He he says, constantly, you can only fight as long as you're in shape to do it. Therefore, fitness itself is a form of self-defense. Would you agree? 
A hundred percent. At our school, we have like a creed or a motto that we bow out with each class and we say, use anything that works with as little movement as possible. Um, and this kind of dives into Bruce Lee's topic of economy of motion. So a couple of times my students will come over to me and say, but, but boss, why, why are we training so hard then? Why do we keep going and we're just exhausted? And the answer is really simple. I mean, we have to be prepared to do more. We have to be able to do whatever it is to succeed. And that goes beyond the mats. That goes beyond the self-defense situation. Uh, we have a side program called the One More Mindset. And, and kind of the idea is like, how do I get one more minute with my family or my loved ones or my friends or a hobby or something that I enjoy doing? And so to get there, you know, we must train consistently, applying the skills mentally, spiritually, everything that we've got basically to be able to put all of our efforts out there and make things happen and make things come to life. And I think the more that we do that, um, there's a quote that one of my coaches used to give to us. He said that if you want more, you become more. And so essentially we do have to demand more of ourselves before we can even demand more for ourselves. And so I think that makes a big difference. So fitness is key. So Larry, how about us old guys and old girls? How important is it for a, not you, you're limber. Uh, you know, not just these little limber bodied kids that could jump through hoops. I mean, I was heavy into judo back in the day, but you know, to start thinking about diving into a hand to hand fighting skills. I mean, stepping into the octagon for a US, UFC cage mu- match is currently my idea of a good time or isn't. <laughs> no, I, I, and, and I don't blame you there. I think one of the neat things overall as a martial artist is looking at when I first started at 10. I mean, we've got kiddos that start at four and they're just young and spry and flexible and fast and everything else. But we've also got students that are starting at 60 and 70 years old, right? And I think the most important thing overall to look at it with your training in a martial art is that a martial art should progress with you, right? It should be something that grows with you and evolves with you. So that when maybe you're not as limber, you're not as strong, or you're not as fast, or you're not as able, you still have things that you can do in practice every single day make yourself better yeah i tell you larry this is another god where do you guys get these great interviews? i know it's amazing what do you advertise on the newspaper or something <laughs> i hey, got but, i got somebody i know people. you have yeah, I, I know, know people. people yeah let's i think her name is t <laughs> i think so too yeah i think so too hey we're gonna take a quick break don't touch that dial i got a karate guy that'll come get you right here on F, it's responsibly on radio on fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer what you need the most can leave you feel just like a ghost you never want to feel so sad or lost again. folks welcome back to responsibly armed radio fm oh fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer all right welcome back responsibly armed radio is brought to you today by u.s lost shield responsibly armed people are signing up in great numbers for the legal defense for self-defense Plans provided by U.S. Law Shield. Why? Well, as a law-abiding gun owner, if you need to legally defend yourself, U.S. Law Shield's nationwide network of independent program attorneys will defend you and your freedom. Check out U.S. Law Shield. Learning more about their amazing program at uslawshield.com slash RAR. And if you don't think these folks aren't good for like $10 a month, try getting a lawyer for that price to defend you if you step over the line in any way, shape, or form. All right. Tatiana, she's all yours. Fantastic. So our prompt for today's show is when a firearm or pepper spray aren't an option, how ready are you to improvise? So when you ask people, or you don't, you're don't, you not allowed to have a gun, you can't have pepper spray, the next most common thing out of people's mouths are, are, is the idea of, well, I would carry it. So 
the question, Larry, is, you know, how do we really utilize a knife for self-defense? And is it a viable tool for that? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a really good question, actually. I think it's a phenomenal tool for that. Uh, a lot of people come into, I think, the, the knife world, first of all, with a question of, like, how would they defend themselves against a knife attack, right? Um, and, and honestly, I think that if you want to learn how to defend against something, you really also want to look at how to use it. Um, it's a phenomenal tool. It's something that we should probably put into play and understand a lot more of because of just how lethal it really is. Um, a lot of times people come in with questions like this and they kind of look at it as being like a one and done type scenario. Like, Hey, if I could just get that one class on knife, I'd, I'd be a master of like defending it. Right. You know, and it just, it doesn't work that way. Right. It's something where we actually have to dive in a little bit deeper. We've got to have more time to understand the knife overall, obviously the safety around it, the movements, how different the lines are of how they're going to work and do stuff. And then honestly, once again, to be a better defender, you want to be a better practitioner, right? It's both about the tactical understanding of what the knife can do and the tactile feeling of the movements that we need to be able to adapt with under stress. So that's hands-on learning. And I'm, really positive you don't use real edged weapons when you're training. So what does that look like when you're training? How do you actually train for knife use, knife agility and plastic? I'm sure it's plastic. I'm sure it's plastic, but I feel like plastic could injure you just as as well. And and, and let me jump in just for a second, Larry, even though it's not in here. Uh, It's not about trying to kill your assailant. It's about slowing that person down or possibly getting them to back off. So there's certain areas on the human body that you should go after to make this happen. Is that a, is that a correct statement? That's absolutely perfect. That's wonderful. Um, there's something uh, in our world called timers and switches. And so a timer is something where when hit, there's only so much time left for survival. Mm-hmm. And a switch is when something's hit, and essentially it means that it's no longer usable, right? So like if you get a light switch, you turn the light switch off. So if you were to get punctured maybe in the shoulder, mm-hmm. that arm can no longer lift to be used to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So. That's a definite, definite uh, area that you want to dive into when understanding how to use a blade. Um, you also want to get on a tactile feel with it um, because, for instance, you know, while defending it, the lines are moving and changing. So you want to be able to understand the routes and how they're moving and how you can adapt to them. But you also, as the wielder, want to know what the most advantageous routes are for you. And when you feel resistance in an area, how not to fight that resistance, but yet to adapt around that wall or that barrier. And does size matter in this situation? I mean, can it be a pocket knife? Does it need to be a buoy knife? I mean, what would you recommend, say, maybe, for, if nothing else, for someone that's never handled a knife before? Absolutely. And, and I like that. that. That question pops up often because uh, if, if you talk to uh, us guys, I mean, we're like, yeah, you know, you know, the bigger knife is better, right? We have more reach, more, right. more range and everything else. And in a long range type scenario, absolutely. I think a, a bigger knife is a must. But I think in kind of an everyday carry type scenario, a smaller blade, something that's easily concealed, something that's not seen, but it's just felt is going to be the perfect route to go when it comes to what you carry and how you use it. Mm-hmm. So is it a good choice or a bad choice, say, for somebody that might be older, maybe not as agile, maybe a little weaker? Is knife training a viable option? I believe it really is. Um, You know, when you look at knife fight altercations, they're typically one in about a quarter of an inch, okay? 
Um, I know one of the things I was mentioning to you guys before was that in Southeast Asia, they've actually clocked the fastest blade work to be about eight cuts in one second, right? Now, you can't put a lot of strength into something that moves like that, right? So that's more fluidity. That's more, you know, just movement of the blade and allowing the tool, the blade itself, to do what it's supposed to do, which is cut. It's not a club. And typically, as guys, we go in there, you know, with the kind of the, the strength and clubbing mentality, and we're hacking away with this thing. And that's that's not what it's meant to do at all. In fact, typically, women make better knife fighters than guys yeah. because y'all are more relaxed and you use the tool for what it's actually intended for. And it's a shock factor because the assailant is not expecting you to cut them. Right? That's it. Yeah, that's 100% it. Yeah, it's always better for it to be felt and seen, right? Yeah. I, I like I like pulling out that big knife and you see it and go, whoa, and you know, we always go back to Crocodile Dundee, right? And yeah, right. This is a knife, right? I mean, that's cool, right? But but realistically, yeah, I mean, if, if you get that close to me, it's, it's bad. I think at one point we wanted to do a little shirt that had really fine prints on the chest where you couldn't read it. You had to get real close and actually squint to see what it said, but it said that if you were close enough to read this, I hope you had insurance, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's uh, that's the kind of tool a knife really is. Yeah. We were talking about when we were pre doing that pre-show about differences between firearms and knives and one thing that i said or one thing that you said to me is that a knife fight is really vicious it's different than any other type of fighting can you speak to that in terms of absolutely we're talking about being romanticized and all that kind of stuff yeah, it's, 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 it's such a beautiful tool. It really is. I mean, any edged weapon, it's just, you know, look at the Japanese sword or just whatever. And you look at it and you're just like, wow, it's just so beautiful what it can do. Mm-hmm. And you can see them cut through tatami mats. And that's not real, though, right? Does that make sense? It's not real until you see it go into flesh. Mm-hmm. And then when you see a, a piece of meat up there being actually hacked away with a blade, you go, oh, my goodness, this is just mortifying. I mean, it's, it's ugly and it's bloody and it definitely gets the job done, you know. Um, overall, you know, firearms are great. I mean, distance is, is awesome. I mean, the more distance I can keep between myself and the attacker, the better it's going to be. But up close, the closer range, that's where knives are the, probably the best tool, in my opinion. Um, you know, we look at the, just the nastiness of it, if you will. Um, a fun experiment to do is you take, like, a, a magic marker and you stick it in, like, a three-year-old's hand. And you tell them, come on, come and draw on me. Like, come and draw on me. And then while they're moving forward, like, ah, right, trying to draw on you, you try to get it out of their hand. Right. And I'll guarantee you the percentage is high. You're going to have some marks on you. Right? It's going to be there. Right. It's very hard to remove that out of somebody's hand, even at three years old. Oh, right? Those of us who have so kids can attest to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and the other part of a knife, too, if you've never, ever cut yourself when you're cutting vegetables or potatoes or meat, just that accidental slice of your finger. Yeah. See, <laughs> it just made Judy's mm-hmm. skin crawl. But I'm just saying your assailant is going to feel that. And pos- and if you do it more than once, and you know, we're not talking you know, all the way to the spine. We're just talking about you know, slice and dice, I guess is a good way to use it. I mean, that'll slow any assailant down, I would think. Well, before yeah, we get too excited right. about details and, and knife recommendations, I have to be the, I have to be the grown up in the room. Eventually, someone's oh. got to do that job <laughs> and remind people about the legal side of stuff. Right? I, it's very important. We know the laws of our states. True. We're choosing our self defense tools and making sure we're compliant with what we can carry in our state and what we can carry in other states. So, a resource that I found online that I thought was fantastic is the American Knife and Tool Institute www.akti.org. 
It has a phenomenal outline of nice laws in your state to ensure you're both in the know and making good decisions when you choose your tool. So on that subject about choosing that tool, we spoke to it briefly before. Let's talk specifics. Larry, can you talk to us about your recommendations for self-defense knives? Absolutely. I think um, as far as kind of an everyday carrier EDC type of knife, I mean, something in between about three to four inches is phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I showed you guys this one the other day. You know, I mean, that's, that's a whopping 14-inch reach advantage. I mean, it's, it's quite a bit, right? Um, but something at three to four inches is great because it's going to give you the ability to hold it in your hands, and it's going to be very hard for somebody to remove it from your hand, which is nice. And it conceals very easy. Um, we did talk a little bit about a blade that has a bit of a curvature that comes out forward, if you will, and then drops back into itself, right? So that little belly is kind of like a cold steel makes one called the Raja, but it's, it's similar to the Gurkha Kukri blade. You're going to get a lot more cutting value with that type of blade, that shape of blade, than any other blade on the market, right? So if you can find something in shape similar to the Gurkha Kukri, that's going to allow the blade to actually go into the target before the force of the swing and the strength of the swing come into play, right? Which is awesome. Um, so like a gun, of course, you're going to want to go try some out, right? So you need to go to a vendor where you can try out things and see how they fit in your hands. Um, something to consider is what are you doing every day? Are you outside? Are you in the workforce? Are you in a place where a fixed knife, meaning it's not something that folds into your into itself and you can put it in your pocket, but a fixed knife that might be on your belt or somewhere else, is that a blade that's going to be convenient and, and legal for you to carry? Or is it going to be better off for you to have a folding blade, which where it folds into itself, typically you see it cooked on people's pockets, right? Um, and then like many of us, I mean, you know, we might be going out tonight, right? So I might be in a tox. I'm not going to probably bring my big, long 14 or 15-inch reacher, right? I'm going to bring something much smaller and easier to work with, and maybe it's all black and it blends in or whatever it is, right? So things like that are definitely important to look at. Uh, and then, of course, concealment and deployment are something you want to kind of look at, you know what I mean? So where are you going to put it on your body? How does it clip, and which hand are you going to use? Well, I tell you what, this is this is another great interview, folks. And if you've never handled a, a, a small knife, a pen knife all the way up, training, 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 training. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but we got a whole lot more when we come back right here on Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Water rises, you build Open the crowd screams out, screaming your name. All right, folks, welcome, we, welcome back to Responsibly Armed Radio right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170. The, the answer. There you go. Hey, welcome back. Responsibly Armed Radio is brought to you today by U.S. Law Shield. Uh, you know, no one wants to be the victim of a crime and having a self-defense mindset Preparing and planning for the worst-case scenario is a common sense. Having U.S. Law Shield at your side also makes a lot of sense, especially dollars and cents. The founders of the company went were intent on breaking the mold by providing affordable legal coverage through its legal defense for self-defense programs for just ten ninety-five per month. For more details, go to uslawshield.com slash R-A-R. And this segment is also brought to you by Howell's Gun Shop. New England's premier indoor range and firearms retailer. If you happen to be in Gray, Maine at any time, it's a family-friendly shopping experience. Uh, retailer, uh, j- join us 
Maine for a family-friendly, sorry about that, shopping experience and head into their state-of-the-art range to make some noise. Not sure where to start? Well, take their, their gun safety lesson. Hunters or concealed carry courses with all the nationally recognized instructors. Howl's promoting safe and responsive firearms ownership since 1983. You can visit them online at howlsgunshop.com. All right, Larry. Welcome back, everyone. So I travel all the time. I mean, all the time. I'm Me and Delta are tight, and me and the folks at TSA all over the place know each other very, very well. And as a traveler, I've co-prepared knowing the reciprocity of the states I'm traveling to, but while I'm in transit, I really can't have anything with me. I mean, you feel very yeah. naked and not having tools. You know, the most that I can really carry is a flashlight, perhaps a tactical pen, and even sometimes a med kit will get you questioned at TSA because it just looks so different than what people are used to seeing. So this transitions us very nicely into the conversation of improvised weapons, not just a firearm, not just pepper spray, but you can't have a knife either. What are you left with? How creative can you get? Larry, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I think that's a, that's a, a perfect segue into understanding how to think creative creatively, right? Um, anything that you can put in your hand can be used to defend yourself, right? Um, and I think if we if we turn ourselves to that creativeness and we start just reaching around and grabbing something here and there, it could be keys, it could be a credit card, it could be a pen, it could be anything like that that we can find in our pocket, we can use that tool on soft tissue, right? You know, areas that are very vital, areas that are very simple. Um, is it at first maybe as lethal as a blade or a firearm? Probably not, but I'll guarantee you, you're going to get a result out of it, which is nice. And so I think as we start to reach and dive in deeper there, you're going to be able to find more things that you can use and, and feel more confident in those situations. Larry, what about fingernails? Because nobody has better fingernails than ladies, unless they're nervous about breaking one, then they're really upset, and that guy's really going to be in trouble. But, I mean, I think a fingernail could be pretty, pretty nasty as a weapon. Absolutely. That's actually one of my instructors, Ron Balicki, always calls that a poor man's knife. Right? <laughs> and a lot of the old grandfather like Filipinos walking around with their cane, you would actually see them with long thumbnails oh, yeah. or a long fingernail that they would use often enough. That was like their little extra secret weapon. Interesting. I have a question. Back in the 80s, those of us who were into martial arts, we used to carry coupons with us. But now I believe they're illegal in California, and they try and sell them like they look like a pen, they look like a flashlight, they try and sell them in all these subversive ways. But I'm, I've always wondered, can a pencil or a pen work the same as a coupon, given it's about the same length, maybe a little slimmer? Would it work the same? As far as pressure or, or applying pressure to a pressure point, absolutely. Um, as far as maybe using it to manipulate a little bit more or apply pressure to move somebody, not as much often enough because, like, let's say, like a pencil will break, right? Um, but a lot of times what we like turning to is pens. I think pens are great, and we always need a pen, right? If you're traveling, you always need a pen. Two, three, why not, right? Um, I know one that I kind of favor, of course, is the fountain pen because it's automatically pointy, right? So that's an easy little jabbing tool, if you will. But what's neat about these, I, I call them more expensive. They're not as expensive as they could be, but let's say a 30 to $60 fountain pen is they're very strong, 
right? The material that they're made on the outside is super strong. You can put about 100 pounds of pressure just in that little tip to push somebody in the right spot to make a move. So you not only have something that's pointy and you can use as a tool to stab if you had to, but you also have something that's fairly pointy that you can maneuver or push somebody around with. So, um, but it's funny. I, I, every time I do a class for improvised weapons, we demonstrate something as simple as a plastic straw plastic straw just in your hand sticking out about one inch out will go into a raw potato multiple times before it actually stops working and the raw potato is far more solid than the soft tissue underneath your chin so larry you must not be from california <laughs> not i am not i do travel there often because we have paper straws yeah, my friend we don't have straws even here in california i think i would just make you mad if i tried to stab you with a paper straw. we have no improvised weapons in california yeah. come on guy you got to do your homework we can't do that in california <laughs> hey look we've got them in maine all right we still have plastic in maine <laughs> all right everybody move to maine you know when you when i was at comp sorry go on larry Oh, I was going to say, don't forget, nowadays you got those metal straws, right? Which are great. They're reusable. Boy, those are dangerous. I, I do have one of those. I didn't yeah, think but, of that. But I bet you can't take that on a plane. You can't even, you know, the no. credit card that's got a knife buried in it? Lost mine two weeks ago. I forgot I had it in mm-hmm. my bag and I go, oh, you can't have this. I said, oh, yeah, I'll probably take your airplane apart. Okay, take it. <laughs> Uh, when I was at conference last year, a girl in a gun conference, a lot of the women were walking around showing everyone how they could use the gaiters that we were wearing around our necks as an improvised weapon. Can you talk to that? What's a gaiter? It's those things that you, the guy you all wear them and they're like elastic around your neck that you pull up that oh. people were using as COVID masks. Okay, at. gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the neck gaiter or the face mask is actually the perfect, what we call, flexible weapon. So a flexible weapon is basically defined by anything that's bendy, right? You know, it could be a rope, could be a belt, a long purse strap or anything like that. But what's neat is the gaiter or the face mask actually emulates something in Malaysia called the sarong. Ladies are typically a little versus, oh, it's wrong. I can wrap myself in it, right? You can wear it to the beach or whatever else. But lo and behold, that's actually the crescent wrench weapon of Malaysia. Like, they, they do everything. They carry their groceries, carry their baby and everything else, but they can also wrap you up and choke you out with it, too. Mm. And the benefit to having that face mask is it's widely accepted. It's everywhere. You can carry two or three, put one on each wrist, throw one in your pocket. It doesn't matter. It's still there and available for use if you have to. Um, it's a great leverage tool. And I've had like 280 pound guys on top of me and I'm about 165. I'm not a large guy by any means. And I've had them in that gator and they're screaming bloody murder. Well, they couldn't make any noise. It was more like, and they're gurgling because that thing works so well. And it's amazing when we start letting the ladies do it on us, how fast we are tapping out because it is so much pain that we're about to pass out. Interesting. I know. Isn't this a lovely Sunday afternoon conversation? It really is. In fact, when we're done, I'm going to have Judy see if she can choke me out with her gator. Don't, don't tempt me. Don't, don't tempt, tempt me. me. Look at this. I study with the best. <laughs> yeah, right. I have T and Larry on the line. I'm That's good. Too. You keep the camera over there. We're doing fine. <laughs> so, yeah, Dave, we were talking about um, when you go to the movies, we're, yeah. we're just having this conversation about if you have a beer bottle and if you smash it against the edge of the bar... It breaks perfectly for a weapon yeah. every single time. You know how many times you have to bang a beer bottle to make it break? I don't know, but yeah. I I hear again this lovely Sunday afternoon conversation yeah. here. What do you think about that, Larry? 
I, th- I think anything is going to work. When, when you have nothing, everything becomes a tool very quickly, right? Um, you know, like uh, and I have a kind of a, a narrow hallway, let's say, so there's a small place where somebody might be able to come in. And if I was on this side of the table, I want to be shoving the table, shoving the chairs, doing whatever I can do to create obstacles and barriers in order to be able to create enough space to be able to get to maybe my other tool, whatever it might be, right? So if you looked around you right now, even even in the station where you're at, right, you start looking around, you start going, okay, what else can I pick up and move very quickly? Um, You know, is it the lamp? Is it the microphone? Is it this pen? Is it the book, right? Uh, We talk about in the class all the time how an old credit card or a hotel room a card it's just an amazing weapon and how it lacerates soft tissue right but books lamps binders whatever i mean it's it's even down to you take a swig out of the water bottle and you spit it in their face and you throw the water in their face and turn and run right these are all different things that you can kind of open your mind up to and then really start to figure out well what's a great improvised weapon right what is something that i could use to be able to create that space to get away to survive right and do whatever i got to do i think people sh- should walk around their offices, their homes, the path they take from their office to their car, and kind of look around and see what there is in their immediate vicinity. Yeah, because I was thinking, oh, I could use a lamp, but in my house, I don't have a lamp you could pick up. There's nothing. I have no lamps. I'll sell you one. (laughs) I don't want one. They're all on the ceiling. I don't have a lot of things that I can pick up and move in my home. So after we spoke the other day, I kind of did walk around and think, what could I use if someone came through Mm -hmm. this door other than firearm, but, you know, that I could move the drawers that I'm close to that have spoons or forks or knives or anything that could create time and distance for me to move to a space that's safer where I can barricade or where I can protect myself. You need more knickknacks. No, I need oh, to train not? more and be mindful. <laughs> hey, Larry, the ceramic uh, elf come. You know, it's she, her ceramic dolls collection is phenomenal. Oh yeah, she's not going to hit You're anybody with that. <laughs> Are you got incredible, impeccable taste? There's no garden gnomes in Judy's living room. Just oh. that we're I haven't okay. been there yet, so I'll have to take your word for it. Hey, Larry, what about screaming at the top of your lungs? Awesome. That's actually a great technique. In fact, uh, studies have shown that uh, screaming for help doesn't always get you help, right? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't know what's going on or whatever. But for instance, fire humanizes us very quickly, right? And it also makes us go, oh, my property might be on fire too, or that property that's that property, because you see the stories of how fire spreads so quickly. So often enough, fire gets a lot more people's attention and gets them coming really quick as far as helping you out. So if you are to scream, I highly recommend saying fire and screaming as many times as possible. That's a great suggestion. In my neighborhood, even if we call because someone's screaming the first responders often don't come quickly enough but fire would make people everybody because our homes are so close together mm-hmm. would come and that mm-hmm. would attract that's a great idea well, i never you, heard that and i think you would scare the assailant you know if you and, and i'm not talking help me help me and i'm just ah you know just like you're gonna go after them screaming your head off it's gonna totally throw them off guard because they're not going to expect you to do that well, no. one of the things we talk about all the time is you have to be more dedicated to survival than they are dedicated to hurt you. There you so, go. You know, you've got to be able to level up past the point of being uncomfortable and being scared and prioritize your life. And it might not look like, you know, as we've alluded to in the past, a perfectly scripted for Hollywood set scene of a battle, you know, yeah. and battle. It's going to be ugly and unpleasant. 
So your ability to adapt and use what you've got is is pretty important, especially because, California, your options are limited. Yeah. Hey, Larry, can you stay on five more hours? No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) We do have to take a break. Sorry about that. Hey, this is Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, welcome back. Responsible Armed Radio is brought to you today by U.S. Law Shield. Hey, do you remember Jack Wilson when a gunman opened fire in a Texas church in December 2019? Jack acted quickly to save the lives of his congregation. He was truly a responsibly armed American hero. Jack had something at his side. All responsibly armed people should consider U.S. Law Shield and their Legal Defense for Self-Defense program. Jack Wilson has been a member of U.S. Law Shield since 2013. Check out his story and what Jack had to say about the membership at uslawshield.com slash RAR. And remember, what he did never hit the media. Nobody tried to drag him out because U.S. Law Shield was there to protect him, and the media knew not to mess. This segment is also sponsored by A Girl and a Gun Women's Shooting League. A shooting league established by women for women. At a Girl and a Gun event, you can get firearms training and be surrounded by women who are encouraging and knowledgeable and ask questions in a safe and non-judgmental environment. It's a place to improve your marksmanship and meet like-minded women. Become a member today at thegirlandagun.org. So, Larry, in this COVID world we live in, pre-post, I don't know what you want to call it, COVID experience, Online learning has evolved in a way that is now reaching the self-defense community in a meaningful way. Now, you are an early adopter of online training, and you're really thriving by bringing your materials to more people. And I would really love for you to spend some minutes telling us and our listeners about how they can train with you. One of the beautiful things we have on this show is an opportunity is to introduce people to folks like you who they would otherwise never have met. So capitalize on this, listeners. Go online and train with Larry. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you said it best. Uh, even long before COVID was coming in, I, I'm probably biased, but I think we have a second to none uh, uh, idea of creativity when it comes to us actually training online with people. We've got students that, that come in mostly for private or semi-private classes at our school. We don't do large group classes unless it's like a camp or a workshop, right? So it's got a nice close feel, but we've got students on Zoom with us virtually training you know, live, if you will, you know, in, in the real time. Uh, and they're in different cities, different states. I got one over in Dubai right now, you know what I mean? So it's just it's interesting to see where we can go now with some really cool tools. Um, so that's something that I think is, is really great. Um, the school hosts most of that. So Marshall Way Legacy is kind of our home, our base, or our brick and mortar. And then we also offer a lot of online continual education type programs, um, everything from intro level up all the way into a more expert level. Um, and so that's Core Concept Coaching. That's our online training courses. Uh, up there, if you hit coreconceptcoaching.com, there's like free challenges. There's specialty training courses like self-defense or these knife classes that we've been talking about um, and, and continual education things that are going to obviously push you further and build more coordination, more dexterity, more memory. Um, but, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the two best ways to go right now in this time period. 
You have all kinds of more classes that we talked about, Larry. You have knife level classes and challenges and training programs and a certification program. Did you want to mention any of that? This is your time to want to hear everything about what you teach. Let's hear you shine. Yeah. Also, yeah. And I want to hear about the top non-gun self-defense tool recommendations as well. So that's a whole lot of info. You got it. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of our one of our big claims to fame, I think that when we first started with a girl and a gun was dealing with knife. And so um, we took the program to them first. We did a empty hand versus knife program, which is typically level one. Um, and that really expanded. I mean, right away, everybody loved it and wanted more. So we created a level two, which was more knife on knife self-defense, um, which was great. So now you actually have that tool in your hand and you can use it. Um, and then we've taken it a step further because people, once again, they want more. They're hungry for more. Um, and so that's created our level three or continual education program. Uh, with core concept coaching, the cool thing is that these, uh, these specialty training programs, if you will, uh, dive into very specific areas. For instance, we have one, a girl and a gun member, Marie, out in Utah that does just double stick training with me to help her with her dexterity. Um, it's, it's awesome what we've done. In 40 lessons, she's cleared level eight on that curriculum. You know what I mean? Um, but that curriculum is also online. So you can access it and just practice on your own time, right? So that's another option, you know, that a lot of people take. Um, and the biggest thing is that we're getting a lot of people that are super hungry for certification programs. And so we have our very first one that we've put, put out there online for core concept coaching. And we're looking forward to coming up into 2022, putting a few more together as well. So top three non-gun self-defense tools? Mm, yes, this is a good one. All right. So I carry a MERS, I, a.k.a. a man purse, right? Okay. So it's my little satchel of, of uh, debauchery, if you will. The debauchery includes uh, one knife usually in my pocket, but two knives in the bag as well because my family is usually with me. Um, so it's always important to have at least one for every person in the car, right? Um, but I also have multiple pens in there. I like that metal wallet, so I usually carry that in my pocket as well. It's got nice rounded-looking uh, corners that don't look like they would hurt, but they absolutely would totally hurt and soft tissue. That's full of plenty of uh, old credit cards and stuff that don't actually need to be used anymore, right? But they come a great tool. Um, so all of those things are great. Um, I've got two different things of keys. I always recommend some drop keys, if you will, like throwaway keys, keys that don't mean anything to you. So you could obviously throw them at somebody and run. Um, so I carry a little, little pair of keys on me that I can always work with too. Um, I also, once again, going back to flexible weapons, really, really, really like that gator or, or face mask, if you will. So I usually have a couple, you know, AKA I'm still going into a place. We're pretty open here in Texas, but every once in a while I still need a face mask or something like that. So I've got one ready, right? If that's a place I don't feel as comfortable, I've always got one of those. But the beauty is that thing can be used, right? Um, I want to highly recommend people look into handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs is actually another flexible weapon that we dive into with Filipino martial arts. Um, and it's a great tool when you don't have anything around. Uh, there's a lot of great YouTube clips out there for like 101 uses of handkerchiefs, right? So check that one out for a little bit of homework. Um, and then me, I'm kind of like a kid in a candy store when I go to like the dollar store or discount store or dollar general. I don't know if you guys have any of those around, but it's where you can usually get inexpensive things, tools, pens, screwdrivers, hammers, right? Whatever else you want to kind of put together. But uh, you can find a lot of creativity in those stores. And for 20 bucks, you have an arsenal. Right? Larry, so, uh, Larry. Yes, sir. It's a dollar twenty-five store. It's not a dollar <laughs> store anymore. Ooh, Maybe in California. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I love those recommendations. It's an affordable way. And these are things that you could pick up when you arrive at your destination without raising an eyebrow. You were to go do a quick little shop at the grocery store or local convenience store, you could pick up a lot of little things and have some options to arm yourself in a discreet manner. Um, Another question I have, Larry, and I'm always fascinated by this. You are an incredibly well-read person, and I would love to hear, I know reading is another one of your passions, some recommended reading suggestions. Absolutely, yes. Um, Gosh, that was hard to name when we were talking in the pre-show for sure, and and I spend about 30 minutes uh, every day trying to read, and I typically guide myself through three principal books that I'm reading at the time, and then I also kind of just go through with whatever time I have left on a shelf with a a pick of about 20 there in my rotation. So I never get bored, um, which is nice, but uh, probably one of my all-time, like, favorite authors and podcasters is Jocko Willink. Um, He talks a lot about discipline. He talks a lot about leadership um, and ownership. And I think that often enough, even if it's not my fault, it's still my fault because there's something I could have done better. So I got that all from him. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely anything you can get your hands on. He's even got kids books, guys. Um, You know, I teach kids classes. I have two young daughters. So it's just it's awesome reading. Um, going into classics, I think you cannot go wrong if you're going to look up Sun Tzu's The Art of War or Yamatsu Musashi's Book of Five Rings. Those two are classic texts that absolutely help you understand so much more than just combative like strategy or war strategy. It's, it's immediate applications into your daily life um, that's just timeless. So, um, And then rounding out all that concrete, hard stuff, as uh, Jocko would probably say, is Paulo Coelho and Rumi. Um, you know, Rumi's just an amazing poet that talks a lot about faith, and Paulo Coelho just writes a lot about love and hope, and so I think that that keeps me pretty positive and pretty excited on most of my days uh, as a whole, so that, that balances me out. Paul, Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist, for those of you who haven't read it, phenomenal book, quick read, great life lessons. I'm going to go get a ball-peen hammer. No, go read The Alchemist. Yeah, I want to carry a ball and a hammer. It's about balance. Yeah. Balance day. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one more time, Larry, can you give us your website, please, and your way to, way to find you, way to connect with you? Because I think there's a lot of people out there, including me, who have some things, some questions for you. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, so you can look us up two different ways. We're all over Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So you can look up Marshall Way Legacy. So it's like martial arts, but Marshall Way Legacy. Um, and the website's simple, marshallwaylegacy.com. Um, and then for those online training programs and free challenges and things like that, you can go to coreconceptcoaching.com, which also has, you know, YouTube and Facebook and all that kind of good stuff too. So you can find them there. If you're on Facebook and social media, try to find me. Facebook's the easiest for me. Um, you can look me up is Guru Larry St. Clair. So that's G-U-R-O and then Larry St. Clair. Um, I think the only Guru Larry on there still. still. So uh, you're welcome to shoot me a Facebook message and I will gladly try to respond back. Um, as I tell all my students at conference even, we're growing a gun. Hey, shoot me a one-minute clip and I'll try to send you a one-minute answer, right? So I'm always available if you guys need something. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Larry. And thank you for joining us on Responsibly Armed Radio. Listeners, stay tuned for January season and season four of Responsibly Armed Radio. And for everyone listening today, you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and many other podcast platforms. We'd like to take a moment to thank our title sponsor, U.S. Law Shield. 
and to thank our segment sponsors, Howell's Gun Shop, A Girl in a Gun, and Discount Gun Mart, a local company to those folks in San Diego supporting all of our lovely shooters. Affiliates and friends of the show include the AC Foundation, Gun Owners Radio, and the DC Project. Links to all of these great companies and resources can be found in our show notes at Responsibly Armed Radio. Until we meet again, which I hope will be January, everyone have a wonderful holiday season, a safe and happy new year. Be safe. Yeah, and for your New Year's resolution, tell everybody about Responsibly Armed Radio and how you can listen. This is Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 961, AM 